we're to obey the Lord with all of our heart. And that's what the scripture tells us in Deuteronomy. Obey with all your heart. He tells us in 2 Chronicles that God gives us a singleness of heart to obey him. And it's also in the New Testament. Jesus said for every follower of his. He said for us to go and make disciples and to baptize them. Just like you saw Charlie being baptized. He said baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he said and teach them to obey all things that I have commanded you. And so obedience is at the very heart of the gospel. Now we are saved by grace. It is not deserved. It's not earned. We have been given a gift, the gift of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. He paid the, the price. He died, as the song said, Rebecca saying, he died the death that we should have died. He, and that was free. And we can receive that freely. But when we receive that gift, we are saved. And Jesus changes our life, and we begin to live differently. And that life is a life of obedience. He gives us that singleness of heart. He gives us that desire to live for him, to love him, to serve him, to seek him. And so obedience is at the heart of the gospel. Now, last week we identified about six things that human beings, we as human beings, tend to obey or tend to follow. First of all, our natural inclinations. If it seems right, it is right. We just tend to follow our, our natural inclinations. Secondly, our feelings and our emotions. If it feels right, it must be right. And you've heard the phrase, follow your heart. Well, that's a dangerous thing for anybody, but especially for a believer, because the Bible says the heart is deceitful, and we can deceive ourselves. Another thing that we tend to follow and obey is our fleshly desires. If it looks good, tastes good, smells good, feels good, then do it. And we follow those fleshly impulses, and that can get us into trouble too. Sometimes we obey our peers or societal norms. We say, well, you know, everybody else is doing it. What makes it wrong? If everybody's doing it and society is rubber stamped it, then it must be okay. If it's not illegal, then it's okay. Well, that's not necessarily true either. We also tend to follow what we can see, touch, accomplish, with relative ease. We don't want to, <coughs> excuse me, we shy away from things that are difficult, things that are hard to do or impossible. And then we, lastly, we tend to follow what makes sense, what's logical, what can be explained. But if you study scripture, you see that the people that followed God that made a difference in their world were people who went a different direction than their natural inclinations, who went different away from their own feelings and emotions and their fleshly desires and societal norms. They <coughs> attempted the impossible. They did the illogical, and God used them in mighty ways. And today, you and I, God is wanting to show himself strong on your behalf if you and I will be obedient to him with all of our heart. And the Christmas story is a great uh, picture for us of this kind of obedience. We looked at Mary last week. <coughs> Mary obeyed when she didn't understand. Mary obeyed when her reputation was on the line. Mary obeyed when it seemed impossible. And Mary expressed her obedience to God by just saying to God, Lord, here I am. Whatever you want to do, whatever your will is for me, here I am. And that's what we need to do. We talked last week, our commitment time, our invitation time last week was to give a blank check to God. You may know what God wants you to do. Well, he wants you to sign that check. Okay, here's, fill it out. God, this is what you want me to do. I'm signing that check. 
Some of you say, I don't really know what God wants to do. Well, then sign the check and give him a blank check. You sign it and, don't, and you let him fill in the, the, the four line. This is what I'm calling you to do. You let him lead you and direct you. Today, I want us to look at the life of Joseph. Joseph's life demonstrated obedience. So turn with me in Matthew chapter 1, or you can look on the screen. And we're going to read uh, verses 18 through the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So I want us to consider this morning three ways that Joseph demonstrated his obedience. First of all, he adjusted his plans to God's. Look at verse 18 and 19. What was Joseph's plan? Well, he was going to marry Mary. But then something happened. She turned up pregnant, and he knew he wasn't the daddy. So then he made another plan. Well, I don't want to embarrass her. I'll just secretly break off the engagement. And I won't make a spectacle out of it. That was his plan. You know, we, we make plans, don't we? We make plans and then something may happen and we have to adjust our plan. Or we, we come up with plan B, we call it. Plan B. But, you know... Plan B may not be, just because things changed, God may not want you to adjust to plan B. Joseph had to adjust his plans. His original plan was to marry this girl. And now a serious issue arose. It caused him to reconsider and go to plan B. But after hearing from God through the angel, Joseph adjusted his plan to match God's. Think how Joseph could have reacted. He gets the news. His fiancée is pregnant. You're Joseph, guys. You get the news. Your girlfriend or your spouse is pregnant and you're not the father. How could Joseph respond? How would you respond? Jealousy. Joseph was a man just like you guys and I am a man. Do you think he had feelings of jealousy? Bitterness? Anger? Do you ever think that he thought, well, how could she? We were committed and devoted to one another. Maybe even an angry rage could have swept over him. It didn't, but it could have. He could have given in to the impulses of his flesh. 
and let anger take over. And he had the law of God on his side. He could have drug her to the court and had her stoned for adultery and been right according to everybody else in the law of God. But Joseph, the Bible said, was a just man. He was a good man. He was a man of integrity. That is, he didn't let his emotions rule him. And that's what a lot of men don't know how to do. They let their emotions rule them. They say things like, well, that's just who I am. I can't help it. I get mad and I blow up. It's just who I am. You're letting your emotions rule you. You're not being a just or a good or a godly man. No just man lets his emotions rule him, but rather rules his emotions. Joseph adjusted his plans and he started with ruling his own emotions. He was a godly, a man of godly character. It's interesting to consider that Joseph didn't really have a choice in being chosen as the father of Jesus. Think about that. God didn't come knocking on Joseph's door saying, Hey, Joe, I got a plan. Let me pass this by you. Uh, I got this, your, this girl, your girlfriend. Um, by the way, yeah, she's your fiance. I want her to be the mother of Jesus. Would you mind being the dad? Is that what God did? Did he ask Joseph's permission? Is he going to ask your permission before he acts in your life? Before he calls you to do something? Oh, but we think he's supposed to, don't we? God, you got to let me know about this. you you got to realize the schedule that I'm under. But it's interesting that Joseph didn't have a choice. It was decided long ago that Jesus would come from the line of King David. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7 is one of those prophecies. It says about Jesus, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, he will rule. And Joseph fit the bill. You see, verse 20 of our text in Matthew 1 says that Joseph was the son of David or an, uh, an ancestor, uh, uh, an heir of David. Verse, uh, Luke chapter 2 says we, he had to go to Bethlehem where Jesus was born. Why did, why did he have to go to Bethlehem? Because he was of the house and lineage of David and he had to go and pay taxes in his hometown where David was from. Sometimes God chooses us for a task that fits his grand eternal purpose of which we may or may not be aware of. And all you and I can do is just surrender to that plan and adjust our lives to match God's grand plan. Have you ever stopped to consider what is God's plan for your life? Or have you just planned your own life? That's not what Christians do. Christians don't plan their own life. Christians go before the Lord. Followers of Jesus go before the Lord and say, Lord, what is your plan? Here's what I would like to do. But I want to adjust my plan to your plan. You see, I had a plan. I've told you this many times. My plan was I wanted to be a veterinarian. My dad was a preacher and everybody thought I was going to follow in the family business, so to speak. I didn't want to. That was far from my idea of a good life. And so I wanted to be a veterinarian all the way up to my freshman year in college. 
as I signed up for all those pre-vet classes and things that I could sign up for. And then I remember in that freshman year, somewhere between the end of the year and the summertime, God put that question to me. Lee, do you want to be happy? Now granted, God's desire for your life is not to make you happy, but to make you holy. But granted also is that unless you're following God's plan for your life, you will be miserable. You'll just try to cover it up with a lot of stuff. And so God said, Lee, do you want to be happy? It was as if I heard him with my ears, but I didn't. But it was clear. It was a clear question. I couldn't deny it. And I'd been running from it. I didn't want people to think I was daddy called or, or, or Sunday school teacher called. I wanted, if, if this was God, I said, well, God, if it's you, then I need to know it's you. And that's when he, do you want to be happy? And I said, well, yes, Lord, of course. Who doesn't? And here's what he said. Again, clear as a bell. Never forget it as long as I live. Then you will do what I have told you, called you to do. Now, I still had a choice. I could have said, nah, I'll take my chances. But I did at that point. said, okay, I surrender. It's what Mary did. It's what God is asking each and every one of us to do is to surrender to his will, to his plan, adjusting our life. And that's not the only time that's happened. I have to adjust my plans often throughout my life to fit his plans. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I've got this laid out for my life. How does that match with what you have? I want to seek you with all my heart and know what that is so I can obey you with all my heart. That's the key to happiness. Notice also that Joseph not only adjusted his plans to God, but he adjusted his thinking to God's. Verse 20. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He adjusted his thinking to God. Can you imagine what Joseph must have been thinking? Again, use your creative, your sanctified imagination. What would you be thinking? Can you imagine what Joseph, what crazy things would have been swirling around in his head? How could this have happened? Mary is a virtuous woman. How could this have happened? And what am I going to do? You know, when crazy things happen in our lives that we don't expect, like happened to Joseph, our minds can run wild, and we can imagine all sorts of terrible scenarios. But if we're going to have any peace... And be able to move forward. We cannot allow our finite minds to rule our spiritual lives. Just like you can't let your emotions rule your life, you cannot let your thinking rule your life. We have to bring our minds and our thoughts under the authority of God in His Word. As the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, that we're to cast down arguments... And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Just because you think it 
doesn't mean it's right. We can think a whole host of things that are not right. While we may feel anxious, jealous, bitter, fearful, and think thoughts related to those emotions, we cannot let those thoughts and the emotions dominate our spirits to where we obey them instead of God. There is a better way. We listen to what God is saying, and we focus our minds on that. It was while Joseph thought about these things that God spoke to him. While he thought about these things, it says the angel of the Lord came. What was an angel? What is an angel? You know what an angel is? It's a messenger of God. And so this angel came and brought the word of God to Joseph. And Joseph still had a choice at that moment. I can listen to God's word and God's message, or I can continue to dwell on my anxious thoughts. What did he do? See, we're bombarded a lot. Many, most of us are bombarded with all sorts of things that cause us worry and fear and anxiety. And it seems like all we know how to do is focus on those fearful, anxious thoughts. And we don't know how to move on. Well, Joseph had a choice, just like you and I have a choice. If we're going to move forward, if we're going to obey God, we got to get out of that pit of those thoughts. But how do we do it? We do it by focusing on what God has spoken to us. You say, well, I can't hear God. Are you reading the Bible? If you're reading the Bible, you're hearing from God. The same happens to you and me when we're bombarded with our own thoughts and our own problems and our minds are flooded with fear and anxiety. God wants to speak at that moment. And he, he will do it in a variety of ways. He may speak through your spouse. He may speak through a friend. He may speak through some devotion you read. It may be a verse of Scripture or a sermon you hear. It may be anything but at the moment you hear from God, you still have a choice. I can dismiss what God has said. I can dismiss that promise or that word of encouragement from my friend or my spouse, and I can keep dwelling on my anxious thoughts, or I can focus on what God just told me. Notice verse 22 and 23. It says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Do you know what verse 23 is? It is a quote from Old Testament Scripture, which was the only Scripture they had in those days. Now, this Scripture wasn't quoted to Joseph by the angel, but it is inserted here in this account by Matthew under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Was Joseph aware of this prophecy? Well, my educated guess is yes. Because every good Jewish boy was instructed in the Scriptures, especially those prophecies related to the coming of the Messiah. But at, because, after all, he was their blessed hope. So the words of the angel from God matched what Joseph had been taught as a boy, that a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son. The Messiah would be born of a virgin. Joseph knew that. He had been taught that from a boy. And now his thoughts turned to what God was telling him. Here's a modern version of what God was telling him. Joseph, you know my word says a virgin 
will conceive and bear a son. That virgin is your fiance, Mary. And you are the chosen father from the line of David. So go ahead and make her your wife. Boy, marry that girl. Throw your plan B out the window and stick with plan A. God was saying to Joseph, I know what I'm doing, and now you do. You see, in order to obey God, we have to adjust our thinking to match God's. And the way we do it is to focus on God's word and believe it. Charles Stanley said this, when we meditate on his word and depend on the Spirit's power to help us to put it into practice, our minds undergo the wonderful process of transformation. And that's how we obtain the mind of Christ. Joseph adjusted his plans to God. Joseph adjusted his thinking to God. And lastly, Joseph adjusted his decisions to God. Matthew chapter 2. Look at verse 13. This is after the visit of the wise men. It says, Now when they, the wise men, had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all the, its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside in the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Joseph adjusted his decisions to God. We all want to be in charge of our own daily decisions. But if you leave God out of that, especially if you're a follower of Christ, it's quite arrogant and foolish. How many decisions do you think you make a day? What time did you get up? What time to get up? What clothes to wear? What you're going to have for breakfast? What music you're going to listen to on the way to school or work? What route you're going to take to work or school? Who you're going to call or text that day? Are you going to take the stairs or the elevator? What's for lunch? What's for supper? Every mom likes to, those questions. All those are simple and mundane day-to-day -day decisions. In fact, some sources, sources suggest that the average person makes an eye-popping 35,000 decisions per day. It's about 2,000 decisions an hour. But how many times or how many of those decisions are really important? What about the important decisions like what career will you pursue? What job or should you take that promotion or turn it down? Where are you going to live? 
How much money should I spend on my home or my car? How should I serve my church? How should I serve my community? Who should I date? Who should I marry? Is this person going to help me follow Jesus? How many children should I be open to having? What should I allow my children to be involved in? How much time should I allow them to be involved in those activities? Are those things going to take them away from the Lord or help them to serve the Lord more faithfully? All these important decisions, is God anywhere in those questions? Is God ever considered to answer any of those questions in your life? Or or do you just make those decisions on the fly, by the seat of your pants, by what seems convenient and expedient at the time? And then we wonder when our lives go astray and we run into trouble and our kids get into trouble. It's because we didn't invite God in on the daily decision-making of our lives. You see, to obey the Lord with all your heart is to invite God into all your decision-making. You see, after Jesus was born, God the Father wasn't trusting Joseph's human reasoning to be able to wisely provide and protect his son. And by the same token, Joseph probably didn't want to trust his own human reasoning. After all, his son was not just his son. This is the son of God. i got to take care of this kid, and I need help. Maybe that's how every parent needs to approach parenthood. This kid ain't just my kid. And I need help. Did you notice in this passage how many course corrections Joseph had to make at God's command? Did you count them? Three. All related to the first few months and couple of years of Jesus' life. In any given situation, in any given issue in your life, God will have specific directions and instructions to give his children. And as we seek to follow those directions, the first question is, is are we even listening? Are we even considering that God has some input on those things? Or I just take that job because it pays more money. Or I'm just buying that home because I like it. Or that car because it makes me look good. I mean, do we ever even stop and consider to pray about these things? Or do we just do it because, hey, God's not really interested in that. Oh, yeah, he is. You're his child. You don't need to be making those kinds of decisions on your own. You see, as we keep our ears tuned to the Lord, he's going to fine-tune some of those directions even at the last minute. You see here in verse 21 through 23, God spoke to Joseph in a, the second time and said, Okay, Herod's dead, go back to Egypt. Well, so now Joseph's headed back home, back to Israel. And then at the last minute, God said, again, the third time, he said, Wait, um, Herod's son is in control there, uh, so go to Galilee. Don't go to Judea. Made a course correction at the last minute. Why? Because Joseph was in tune. You see, the key to this kind of obedience is a daily, humble dependence on God. The person who just makes decisions and never asks God is an arrogant, foolish person. And then they get in trouble and they wonder why. They never ask God. God's got a plan. God's got a plan, which means we have to give God time to speak. 
We've got to seek him with all of our heart. I wish that God would do what he did with Joseph and speak to me in my sleep. Then I don't have to take time out when I'm awake to listen to him. Isn't that what we think? Why don't you do what you did with Joseph? Lord, just speak to me when I'm sleeping in a dream. Well, why doesn't he? First of all, who says he doesn't? Could he? Sure. Will he? Maybe. But not always. But know this. God does want to give clarity and focus to our lives by helping us with our daily decision-making. But he's not going to give you that if you're not willing to listen and adjust your life to it. John the Apostle in 1 John spoke about the spirit of the Antichrist. He talked about the Antichrist, capital A, but he talked about the spirit of the Antichrist, which is already present in the world. Charles Stanley defines that spirit of the Antichrist like this. It's the willful determination to usurp the place of God by making our own decisions and ignoring his wisdom and sovereignty. Unfortunately, this lawless spirit has penetrated every part of the world in which we live. Unfortunately, even the church of Jesus Christ. The spirit of the Antichrist reigns in many followers of Jesus' heart because they will not let him make decisions for them. It also reigns in the spirit of many churches because churches are going to do things the way they've always done them and not even stop to consider that God may have another way. And even when they hear from God and make a plan, they stick to it with firm determination and stubbornness and not allow God to make last-minute course corrections. And that is the spirit of the Antichrist. And shall it reign in Dawson Street? By God's grace, it shall not. We want to be an obedient people. If Jesus is Lord, if Jesus did what we say he did at Christmas and at Easter, then isn't he worth following and obeying with all of our heart? He is indeed. How did Joseph express his obedience to God? Well, the scriptures say, like it says in Matthew 1, 24 and 25, being aroused from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary, his wife, and he called his name Jesus called when Jesus was born. Those two things were what God told him to do. Take Mary as your wife. When he's born, when Jesus is born, here's what you name him. That's what Joseph did. And each time in chapter 2, he got instructions from God, and he arose, and he obeyed exactly what God told him to do. You see, that's how we express our obedience. Obedience has been defined many ways. But it's doing what God tells us to do immediately and with the right heart attitude. Are we willing to obey the Lord like that? And each time Joseph obeyed, an interesting thing happened. If you go back and read the text, it fulfilled the word of God. It fulfilled the scriptures. It fulfilled the will of God and the purpose of God. And that's true for you and I. Joseph may or may not have been aware that all these scriptures were being fulfilled by his obedience. You may or may not be aware of God's grand eternal purpose by just simply obeying even in the simple things 
of doing what God's asking you to do. But you will be fulfilling some grand purpose that you may never know until you get to heaven. Because if God's asking you to do something, if he's calling you to do something, that means he's chosen you for a purpose. And it fits into his grand plan throughout the ages. And you're saying no. It doesn't thwart God's plan. It just excludes you from that plan. And you miss a whole lot of reward by simply obeying. Would you bow your head with me this morning?